you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 50th ever show of a master's edition of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www iirsportsoneword.com As always, it was another wild week in sports with college basketball ending and baseball beginning. And as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week, as well as report on my event of the week, which was a Comcast Sportsnet Celtics event right here in Boston. And later in the show, I will welcome our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. My highlight of the week is John Calipari and Kentucky winning the national championship on Monday night down in New Orleans. Uh, John Calipari is uh, obviously a controversial figure, but the reason I am most happy that he finally won his elusive national championship is because... uh, I covered this very same Kentucky team, as my loyal listeners remember, last November down at Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut when uh, they held a college basketball tournament there. And so I covered a Kentucky-Penn State uh, tournament game at noon on a Saturday. And more importantly, uh, needless to say, Kentucky waxed them big time. Uh, Little did we know what Anthony Davis was about to become uh, that November Saturday afternoon, but I certainly noticed him playing that day. And uh, after the the game, of course, uh, I attended the Calipari press conference, and, you know, I liked what I saw. I mean, first and foremost, as you all know, I'm from western Pennsylvania, born and bred, and... Turns out Coach Calipari is from there. I didn't really know that until I read a a lengthy Sports Illustrated feature on him uh, a few months back. And he was just terrific in the press conference. uh, And I described this on my show in the week immediately following that, where uh, he walks into a recruit home. He's a recruit's home. He's landing that recruit, no question. Charismatic uh, to the nth degree. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I like his story. I like what he had to say. And, you know, everybody seems to be hung up on this one and done thing. As he com- continues to say, he did not make up the rule. It's the NCAA rule. He's just simply doing the best job working within the rule, which is simply uh, grabbing these guys for potentially one year, the best in America, usually landing four or five of the top ten recruits in the country, 
And the genius of John Calipari is he turns them into a team quicker than anybody else can, meaning in less than a year. That was a good team out there. That wasn't just a, a collection of superstars, uh, needless to say. And they did it. He did it. And hats off to Calipari for finally winning the national championship. And on the coaching front, my low light of the week is Arkansas football coach Bobby Petrino. Uh, this story gets more interesting, intriguing uh, by the minute. Uh, as most of you know, all of you know, he was involved in a motorcycle accident uh, a couple days ago. It's kind of thing, you know, where the minute you read it, I know, and I hate to sound suspicious, but the minute I read it, I just thought, hmm, strange. And now it turns out that he uh, he was not alone, as he initially said, and as he initially told his bosses at the University of Arkansas. Uh, there was a, a 25-year-old woman on the back of the motorcycle, um, and he came clean and finally did reveal the truth, and in doing so, talked about a past inappropriate relationship. Uh, Petrino is the is married with and the father of four children. So, um, as always, always, always happens, the cover-up is worse than the crime. From uh, Sean Payton lying to Roger Goodell, apparently, and uh, on and on and on. Uh, going back to the days of Watergate, uh, you know, the, the crime, the incident, whatever you want to call it, is one thing, but the cover-up is the thing that always gets you. I'm guessing we have seen the last of Bobby Petrino, who, by the way, is uh, pretty racked up. He has uh, apparently four broken ribs, uh, cracked vertebrae in his neck, so uh, not, not, not necessarily up to running spring football, which I guess is uh, underway this week down there in Arkansas. And uh, I guess this basically should have no surprise to any of us because, as we all remember, Bobby Petrino had no problem whatsoever running out on the Atlanta Falcons a few years ago and grabbing this, uh, grabbing this Arkansas job uh, when things weren't going very well at all for the Falcons. That, of course, was the height of the Michael Vick situation. Um, so, Bobby Petrino, again, I think we've seen his, uh, his last football game coach for the University of Arkansas. And going on to yet more coaching, it's a coaching week. Uh, my bizarre story of the week is the Greg Williams audio, the former New Orleans, suspended, I should say, indefinitely suspended, but now I think forever suspended. Uh, defensive coordinator of the Saints, uh, a documentary filmmaker, released audio, and I'm assuming he has video to go with it, uh, on Greg Williams's pregame speech the night before uh, to uh, to his team the night before they played the 49ers in that fabulous playoff game out in Candlestick Park in January. And boy, you talk about a smoking gun. Um, it was just disgusting uh, the way he described it. I know how football coaches use motivation. I've sat in them. We've heard them. We all know the story. But the way he described uh going for the head and, you know, to kill the head and the body will follow and, you know, naming names from Frank Gore to uh, 
to Michael Crabtree, to, of course, uh, uh, Kenny Williams' son, Kenny Williams being the Chicago White Sox general manager who said, uh, very appropriately so, um, after hearing the way Greg Williams disgustingly talked about his son's concussion, his son Kyle Williams, um, and how they were going to test him on the first two series to see what the concussion was all about. Uh, Kenny Williams uh, said, you know, he better not ever get in the same elevator with Greg Williams. I'm sure he would take him out pretty quickly. And uh, again, I think this is, this is it for Greg Williams. How ironic that this comes out while Commissioner Goodell was deciding upon Sean Payton and uh, Mickey Loomis's appeal. Uh, so again, I think we've seen the last of Greg Williams coaching in the NFL. Again, this was just really, really bad stuff that no one in the NFL can like. And I'm sure they're just going to feel that it's uh, the league is better off without this this kind of a guy in it. And the event of the week that I covered was a Comcast Sportsnet event uh, with a couple of the Boston Celtics and uh, a very cozy, comfortable, a uh, couple dozen people event at a restaurant in Boston right near the garden. Uh, they have these from time to time, and they're very nice uh, to invite me in to them, uh, along with some other media. And what I found interesting was uh, that, you know, they had a couple of, uh, it wasn't the big four, shall we say. It was uh, Keon Dooling, backup guard that they signed in December, Greg Steemsma, also a backup center that they signed in December. Uh, as well as uh, Marquise Daniels, who's been on the team for a couple years. And what I like about having guys like this is, uh, number one, they brought a lot of personality and a new perspective since they've just been on the team a couple of months. So let's start off with uh, Keon Dooling, who was loaded with personality, uh, talking about the big win where they beat the Heat on Sunday at the Boston Garden. Uh, they gave the Heat their worst loss of the year, and let's hear what uh, Keon Dooling had to say about that game. From a morale standpoint, that was a huge win for us. Obviously, Miami is, uh, is a very popular team. You either love them or you hate them. Either way, you got to watch them. You know, so uh, that, was a, that was a great win for us to come and protect our home court. Uh, as far as Avery's block, I think I said something to him before the game. I said, as good as D-Wade is offensively, you're just as good defensively. So go out and just play them as hard as you can, and I'm, I'm sure that your defensive talent will take you to where you want to be. It was an incredible block. D-Wade is not a trash talker, so I'm, I'm sure it probably wasn't like something malicious, but I'm going to have to find out. I'm going to do some investigating, and I'll find out exactly. When I see Avery tomorrow, I'm going to find out what he said. As you could quickly gather, dueling is really loaded with personality, and again, in the spirit of bringing a new perspective, uh, Celtics have had some players get down with heart issues and, uh, you know, serious medical issues to say the least. And here's Keon Dooling talking about the challenges of this year with uh, the Celtics heart issues. We've had some adversity that um, most teams don't have to go through. Um, we've had some real life situations uh, early in the season with Jeff Green having a heart issue. Um, with Chris Wilcox just having successful surgery on his heart 
on the white bell as well. Um, so we've had some real life, yeah, MP had a serious concussion. We had some real life, you know, some things that could potentially end the basketball career. So um, it becomes bigger than the game. It becomes about the brotherhood, the friendship, the things that uh, are off the court that bring us together. So I think that I think that adversity has definitely brought us closer together. We really appreciate having um, uh, each other as much as we do. And one of the more interesting things when a new player joins the Celtics is how they view the legendary Celtics mystique. And here's what Dueling had to say about that. Uh, this organization is uh, quite different from uh, any of the organizations I've been around. There's, uh, there's this uh, championship mystique um, that the city has, that the fans have, that the buildings have, that the practice facility has, um, that, that no other team that I've played on in my 12 year career um, has. And uh, as Dooley referenced, he referenced, he's been in the league uh, 12 years. He's played for a number of teams. So again, he brings a fresh perspective on what it's like to play for the Celtics and perhaps what is now the Celtics' biggest asset, which is Coach Doc Rivers. And uh, and here's what Greg Steemsma had to say. He was the other Celtic player who spoke that night, uh, one of them. Here's what he had to say about playing for Doc Rivers. For me, it's, he's, been, he's been great. Um, I think you know, he's a player's coach where he lets us play, you know, he, but he knows when to call him to when he can really call for our attention, um, draw stuff up. He knows the game so well inside and out. And he can just he deals with the players so well. He can deal with everybody. He can stand, stand up to you know, KG and you know, these guys. And, and they, they listen to him, respect him. Obviously, because he knows what he's doing too. And for me, I have learned so much from, from all these guys, and, and coach has been coach has been the best as well. And you know, the big three may not have a long time left with the Celtics, but Doc Rivers does, as he stunned everybody at the end of last season, right after they lost to the Heat and signed a five-year contract. And here's what Dueling had to say about Doc Rivers. <laughs> um, you know, one thing about Doc, and the thing I really, really love and respect about Doc is he, he holds everyone accountable. Um, no matter if you're a superstar on the team or if you're the 14th guy who doesn't play often, he's going to have a sense of uh, accountability and you, he has that standard and you have, to, you have to live up to it. He won't compromise that and I think that's what makes him special from an execution standpoint. If you're not in the right space, uh, every time, that one time, he'll tell you, Greg, you got to be there. You know, yeah, you got to get into the ball. You know, on that, you got to set that screen. He will let you know. You will know what Doc Rivers, there will be no great area. You will know where he stands. And that's something that I think everybody, every player can respect and relate to. And Doc Rivers is fantastic, as all you listeners know. I met him last October at the Children's Miracle Classic in Orlando that I was covering, golf tournament, and went up to him and said, you know, I live outside Boston in Medfield, Massachusetts, and he just stopped what he was doing. Uh, he was getting, walking to his tee shot, and, and we had a nice chat, and uh, I've covered a couple Celtics practices since then, and he is just terrific, again, quite possibly the Celtics' biggest asset. And this being the year of the lockout, Dueling had this to say about trying to recover from the aches and pains of an NBA uh, season. This, this year, uh, more so than any year, has uh, been quite a challenge. Um, there's this thing called recovery. Yeah, what's that? It, it's like this thing that, you know, 
when, when you have like some time in between games, uh, you used to. I used to recover so much faster when I was young. To be young and athletic is something special. Um, but you don't have much time to recover this year. There's a lot of back to backs. There's a lot of traveling. It's not much time to practice. So uh, you know, we have a great staff. We have guys. You know, our trainer Ed. We have a, a masseuse over there in Vlad. Uh, great strength and conditioning coaches. So we have all the resources. Uh, to help us recover at a faster rate. And I think that gives us an edge. Um, and then you got guys uh, who, who really prepare themselves for the game. You got Ray Allen who comes to the game uh, three hours before the game. He's getting up shots. Uh, you got Kevin Garnett who uh, looks like he's already played 40 minutes before the game starts. And he's got that MJ ladder before the game. Is it, it, it's just uh, on days off, you see Paul Pierce in there just getting it in, playing against the rookies. I mean, these guys are super, super competitive. These are our, our top guys. And so when you have an environment that's all about work, it's all about focus, it's all about winning, it's all about getting better, um, you just fall in line. And it, it's something that you love uh, about that Celtics mystique. And there you have it with Keon Dueling. Again, uh, obviously a very positive force to have in the locker room, loaded with personality and leadership. And speaking of leadership, uh, one of the more interesting nuggets of the evening was Marquise Daniels talking about mentorship. And here's what Marquise had to say. Here in Dallas, um, why you guys, uh, Antoine Walker. Really? Yeah. Uh, Dan Nelson, he told me, he's like, uh, hey, rookie, you got to go with him everywhere you go. So I learned what to do and what not to do. <laughs> of course, the shocker with there is Antoine Walker is no longer in the league. Uh, with serious financial issues as he was uh, sued by a number of Las Vegas casinos uh, for money that was owed, bad checks bounced, and uh, Sports Illustrated just did a fascinating piece on him very recently within the past month on how he's now playing for the D-League out in, I think, like Idaho. And it was just a fascinating story on Antoine Walker, Going back, a former national champion at Kentucky, and uh, obviously a superstar with the Celtics, won a championship with the Heat, and uh, he is in the NBA D-League, uh, need I say more, playing in like uh, Idaho, and I just thought it was fascinating that Marquis Daniels, who's been around a while, veteran, uh, would say that of all the people he could say who has been, who took him under their wing... Lo and behold, it was Antoine Walker. And when you finally, uh, regarding the Celtics event, when you talk about uh, what it's like to land on an NBA team uh, as the 11th or 12th man, I always find the, fast, the journey fascinating. And here is Greg Steemsma, who played for the University of Wisconsin, big-time school, just covered him in the NCAA Boston Regional recently, uh, a couple weeks ago. But here's what Steemsma had to say about his journey to the Celtics. So my, my rookie year, uh, I started off in Turkey, took a job there, and uh, with the roller. Let's see, I think it was a couple months left in that season. I actually got bought out and went to South Korea and uh, put a team in Seoul there and tried to make a playoff push with them. It was just about six weeks left in their season, so I was there. Um, actually finished up that season, we didn't make the playoffs. Got to come home and actually signed with the D-League at that point, but there was only one game left of the season. So I actually I met my teammates in the warm-up in the way up line that night. And uh, so because they kind of won my rights for the next year. Um, my, my second year I started going to Korea again. Uh, did really work out with, with me and the team. So I came home, 
end up um, playing in the D League that whole season. Got called by Minnesota right at the end of that season. One game left. You know, met everybody at shoot around that morning, and then ended up uh, not super the game, but it was one person I saw of these guys. Then that following year, so last year I started out went to training camp with Cleveland, and uh, an opportunity came out in Turkey where uh, they were pretty, they were pretty excited to have me come out, and they wanted to give me as soon as I could, so I ended up um, asking to release, so I could go take this job in, in Turkey again. And uh, let's see, so that was last year. <laughs> so I always find these types of stories fascinating. I mean, the guy started his career in Turkey, played in Korea, finally gets signed, plays for a couple other NBA teams, finally lands with the Celtics where he was signed in December, as was dueling. So they're both going to be around for the rest of the year, and we'll see what it's like. Uh, Celtics, again, uh, as I have said earlier, they're the team that nobody wants to play. They lost their last two games, last night to the Bulls, the other night to the Spurs. Uh, but that said, they're 15-7 and seven since the All-Star break. They showed what they can do at home. They trounced Miami just this past Sunday. And uh, uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch in the playoffs. Uh, so now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. Let's take our break. And joining me next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football airs Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And with us on the line now is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And welcome, Barry. Uh, you know, last night I attended an ESPN draft party for Patriot season ticket holders over at uh, Gillette Stadium. And so it got me in the mood for football. And the most interesting piece of info that... Uh, come out about that was that Teddy Bruschi, who was on a panel with a couple of other media members, uh, the panel moderated by Trey Wingo of ESPN, was Bruschi just blasted the Patriots for letting Ben Jarvis Green Ellis go. I was stunned. Um, But that's why he's such a good analyst on ESPN. He speaks his mind even in the bowels of Gillette Stadium. Yeah, So. It was that was you know, that was something, wasn't it? I mean, you know, that's probably something you don't expect to to hear that in, in, in that kind of forum, right? I was stunned, Barry. He was like visibly upset, you know. And you know, I mean, I, we all like Ben Jarvis. Uh, had, as I always say, had a fabulous nose for the goal line. But Patriots drafted two running backs very high last year, and you know, Ben Jarvis got three million a year, which the Patriots would never pay to a player like that. And, uh, boy, it was just so interesting to see Teddy Bruschi, you know, get fired up, uh, to say the least. And uh, speaking of fired up, I'm sure you have heard the Greg Williams audio. I referenced it at the beginning of the show. Uh, What were your thoughts on it? Just that was some piece of audio. Yeah, well, you know, if if, if you're ever looking for for, for damning evidence, I, I think you found it right there. And it's just... And again, yep. that, that, here's another bizarre story about how, how this got out. I mean, um, there was a documentary filmmaker who was uh, doing a, a feature on a, on a player uh, that played for the Saints uh, who had Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, you know, a, a lesser player uh, on, on the Saints. Uh, Steve Gleason. Gleason, correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that was the reason for the filmmaker being there and having and having the audio, uh, and you know, Greg Williams made some very uh, damning statements before a game with the 49ers, pretty much saying, you know, telling the guys to go out and hurt out the Alex Smiths, the Frank Gores, the Michael Crabtrees, uh, you know, on the on the on the 49ers, and it was just really out, it was unbelievable the kind of stuff that came out. Not so unbelievable now that we know, you know, what what has happened since. Uh, but, you know, again, kind of strange circumstances and how that got out. Apparently, um, Gleason was very unhappy that those, that those tapes got out because he felt he owned the rights to them and they were released without his, his approval or his knowledge. So, you know, a little, another little wrinkle thrown into what has been a, shall we say, disastrous, uh, offseason for the Saints. Uh, just the latest chapter and just, uh, just, you know, an unbelievable, story that just that just you know the gift that keeps on giving and then this just this thing just refuses to go away so uh it's 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 
unfortunately for the Saints, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So it'll be real interesting, interesting to see. You know, they've already suspended Williams for the season. So you know, where do you, where do you go with this now? You know, how, how do you, you know, how how do you even address this at this point? Because you know, as we know, uh, and as we've seen, you know, Roger Goodell was uh, you know uh, came down with an iron fist on the Saints uh, two weeks ago. So you know, last week, two weeks ago on this whole thing. So. Uh, I don't know where, where do you go with this now. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's very strange. You know, there are a couple of real bizarre stories in, uh, in the NFL offseason this weekend. We didn't have the draft yet, so there'll be a lot more. Probably a lot more coming. Oh, always a lot more coming with the NFL. Uh, I had not heard that Steve Gleason was upset. I saw some documentary, uh, not, some NFL pregame inspirational type stories done on him, and it is a fascinating story. But I did not know that he was upset with the release of this audio because, you know, the Saints have truly embraced him. I mean, he was on their Super Bowl team. He's the guy who blocked the punter, recovered the fumble in the first game back at the Superdome. So, he, I mean, you know, he, he's, he, he made his mark in, in New Orleans Saints history, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, the problem with Greg Williams' comments, you know, and We've all heard football coaches give inspirational and tough guy pregame speeches, but boy, it just sounded like so personal. It, and I think it was just offensive, the same, almost in a way that like Michael Vick hurting dogs offends people. When you hear yeah, the, think, the way he was yeah. just, yeah. you know, when you hear those direct references about, you know, be it Michael Crabtree's knee or tough guy or prima donna or Kenny Way or Kyle Williams's concussion or. You know, just all of it, Frank Gore, you know, just, it, it's it's offensive. There's no other way to say it. it. It offends the sensibilities, and I think that's why people are so outraged. And I think that's why Greg Williams will never coach again in the NFL. I think Goodell will be equally disgusted and is just going to say, I don't want this guy in our league, period. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we all know that you know, it, there, it's a very interesting, you know, you can kind of tiptoe on that line, right? Because, you know, football. You know, you know, football's the best game. You you can't be manby pamby out there. You got to be tough, and you have to have that that mentality. You're going to go out and hit people. You're going to you know make your mark. You're going to be aggressive and all that. But there's a very fine line, as 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 we've come to see, between having that kind of approach of playing a physical, dominating game on defense, and you know crossing over that line into deliberately injuring people. So you know you don't you you, you can't it just it can't go in that direction, and you know it's it's it, it, you know it's like you have to draw the line somewhere, and the, the line is obviously drawn. And you know these guys, these guys are a fraternity. I mean, let's face it. You know, after a game is over, you always see the guys you know on, on opposite teams, you know, hugging each other, congratulating each other. These guys all know each other, and these and this is their livelihood. And you know, I don't think that most NFL players, you know, I would think kind of kind of fall into that area. I think most of them there we all want to win, we all want to dominate, we all want to beat. But you know, when it comes to, to really going after somebody's knees or heads, I, I think most guys will not go there because, hey, you know, if I do it to you, who's to say in the next play you're not going to try to do it to me and try to end my career? So, you know, there's a lot. That, that's a big part of it, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just in, a, in a league that is preaching safety above everything else, state safety and sportsmanship and playing the game the right way, which, which we've seen under Roger Goodell. 
know, these types of uh, these types of actions, these types of words will not be tolerated, and they, and they can't be tolerated. And you know, if, if you're going to run your league like that to you know to try to uh, help the welfare of, of the players, and let's face it, I mean, you know, there's a lot of issues with with, with retired players, with these guys being being crippled and guys having brain damage and all these other things. So, you know, they have to, the league, I think, has to be real careful about how it proceeds from here. And to have something like this made public, and now we have audio of this that, that everyone's heard by now, I mean, it's a real black eye for the league. And I don't think that this is going to be taken very lightly. And, you know, and I agree with you. I think we may see some sort of proclamation that, you know what, you know what, Greg Williams, you're done. You're never coaching this league again. I, I, I agree with that. I can see something like that happening because they, they just they just can't afford this to, to, to manifest itself any further. Well, that's it, Barry. And, uh, you know, this was, again, a, a peek behind the curtain that nobody in the NFL ever wanted to occur. It, the timing of it, of course, is just incredible. Um, and, you know, again, for me, it was just, you know, as concussions are the number one story, uh, you know, that the NFL was working on. Um, but again, to me, what separated this was that uh, it was, you know, he named names. It's one thing to say, kill the quarterback. It's another thing to say, you know, kill Tom Brady as an example, and, you know, mm-hmm. give him a concussion or go for his, go for his, you know, injured knee, whatever it is, that's just totally different. Then you get offended. Then it, it, it hits the sensibilities. And, uh, so yeah, you know, and just speaking of former athletes, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I was in South Florida last week for the NFL owners meetings and there was quite a buzz for the Miami Marlins and the opening of their new stadium. So, uh, I couldn't wait to watch the opener the other night from Miami, and uh, and the stadium was just beautiful. Needless to say, but I, I thought that the uh, bringing out Muhammad Ali uh, was just sad. There's no other way to say it. It just uh, you know. He, he, his hands were shaking violently, and I was surprised because I happened to watch recently, a month or two ago, like a tribute to him for his, I believe, 70th birthday out in Las Vegas, and he came out on stage, and, you know, he, he looked like he has looked in recent recent times when we've seen him in the last couple of years, but this was just uh, really uh, uh, uncomfortable because, again, his... His hands were just shaking violently. There is no other way to say it. He came out in a golf cart with owner Jeffrey Loria, of the owner of the Marlins, with his arm around him, and it was just really uh, an uncomfortable moment. And you know, I don't know if you happened to see that, but it was just uh, strange, you know, in light of what we're talking about with former athletes and head injuries or diseases caused by their days participating in athletics and in this case Parkinson's disease. Yeah, I, I did not, I did not see it, but, um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, maybe they should have had some, had some sensibility there. Maybe, uh, maybe change the plans once they saw that maybe, uh, he was having a bad day, obviously not having such a bad day at, at his, at his birthday celebration, but you know, uh, with a, with a disease like that, you know, like, like any serious disease, you know, you're going to have to just say your bad days. Obviously one of his, one of his bad days, um, but yeah, you know, that's, 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 that's unfortunate. 
but um, you know, it, it, it's funny. I, after I was talking, all the Greg Williams commented. It, it, the one thing I didn't mention reminded me of scene from the longest yard where the the uh, the guard, where the uh, prisoners, uh, Burt Reynolds and the prisoners had had gotten access, had actually stolen the medical files of the guards, and they knew all the injuries, and they knew this guy had bad knees, and that guy had a concussion, and you know, let's go after this guy, let's go after that guy. It's you know, not a whole lot different from what we saw from from the Saints. I mean, as you said before, it's one thing to say, you know, let's get the quarterback, get to the quarterback. It's another thing to point at Ken and say, I want you to hit Alex Smith right here and hit him hard and 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 take expletive out. You know, it's, it's a whole different whole different ball game. So yeah, that it just kind of reminded me of, of that scene in the longest yard. Kind of a, we, you said it perfectly, Barry. I mean, good days, bad days, and it was just clear to me, particularly since I had seen Ali not more than just a couple of weeks ago uh, on TV, and uh, just clearly having beyond a bad day, you know, a, a day that he just simply should not have been, uh, you know, put out in public, let alone in front of, you know, 40,000 people uh, celebrating the opening of a new stadium. I mean, it, it was... Uh, quite the talk in Miami afterwards, and again, I was watching on TV and was just like, uh, again, it was uncomfortable, and, and that's the kindest possible word I can use, and I've looked through the Miami papers and whatnot, and uh, I'm not alone in my assessment, but uh, with that said, uh, quickly now, before we go to break, uh, baseball is underway. Uh, what are your quick thoughts on opening day before we go to our next, our first break? Well, we saw we saw it's funny with some really really some really good pitching performances right out of the gate. You know, I think a lot of people are concerned. You know, in spring training when guys give up a lot of runs. You know, it doesn't always translate because you know you have you have bigger ballparks. You know, the, the major league ballparks for the regular season are much bigger and roomier, and you know the wind doesn't fly around as much, and you you have you have totally different dynamics. So. We saw some really good pitching performances. You know, Johan Santana of uh, the Mets pitching five strong innings to get a win. He didn't get the win, but the Mets won on opening day. Uh, Ryan Dempster pitching great for the uh, for the Cubs. He outdueled by Steven Strasburg and the, and the Nationals. And we saw Kyle Loesch of the Cardinals uh, pitch a perfect game for six innings on opening night against the Marlins. Um, you know, on the on the way to uh, on the way to a win. So, yeah, I mean, was, I think you saw some really uh, really good pitching. Out of the gate, and, uh, and we'll see how that transpires after uh, day one of the uh, official day one of the big league season. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, you know, again, the longest opening day game ever was notable. I found it quite interesting since I'm located here in Boston to watch, uh, but I grew up in Pittsburgh to watch uh, Jonathan Papelbon punch out the Pirates one, two, three. Uh, in the ninth inning to gain a 1-0 victory for Roy Halladay in the Philadelphia Phillies. So seeing Papelbon in a Phillies uniform uh, was kind of strange, especially uh, given that uh, hour or two earlier I had watched the uh, Red Sox closing situation, which uh, went south just a couple of days ago when they're Closer that they bought it, brought in to replace Papelbon, Andrew Bailey, uh, is undergoing thumb surgery. He's gone for three to four months, so it throws an already shaky closing situation in Boston. 
uh, took it to a different degree, and the two guys, Mark Melanson and Estevez, who they said were basically going to be their closers, failed. Uh, and after a great comeback by the Red Sox to tie it at 2-2 in the top of the ninth, uh, Melanson and Estevez failed, and uh, Tigers scored the winning run in the bottom of the ninth. So... To be continued does not bode well. I think, uh, needless to say, it's their Achilles heel. And I think they're going to regret the uh, the exit of Jonathan Papelbon. So with that said, uh, let's move to our break. And, uh, and sticking with us on the other side will still be Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co-host byron evans it's an hour of hater free radio every week You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. And Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post is still with us on the line. And uh, Barry, you know, I'm going to quickly start with uh, one of my favorite sports events of the year and my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, which, of course, is the Masters. Uh particularly the back nine on Sunday, which uh, is typically among the best three hours of annual sports theater on the American sports calendar. And uh, three years ago, I had the good fortune to go to a master's practice round in Augusta uh, on Tuesday. And 
walked the course twice. It's everything you could possibly imagine it to be. It was a bucket list item, high on the bucket list for me. I uh, walked around the course twice, as I said, uh, basically soaked it up for about nine hours of daylight. And uh, it was truly special. And next would be uh, someday I'd like to get there uh, on a Sunday for, for the final round. And uh, yeah, and I had to laugh when I saw that. I don't know if you heard this story, Barry, about the guy out in Seattle who had master's tickets. And I won him in through a master's lottery. And I'm guessing this guy did the same. And the dog ate him. He used hydrogen peroxide to get the dog to throw up, and then he, uh, the dog threw up, and he was able to basically piece the ticket back together. And the funny part was, the minute I heard the story, since I'm lucky enough to have won exactly like this guy, practice round tickets, I, I thought, he didn't need to do that, because... Uh, you know, my dealings with the Masters would have were clearly... Had I called and given a similar story or said I lost my tickets or whatever, you go through a lot of hoops to get on their list and get the, finally win the lottery and get the tickets that I figured, well, they would just give them a new set. And that's exactly what they did. So he never even had to get the dog to throw up. Well, yeah, I did hear that. And I, 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 now, the, story, the part I heard was a little, little different. Um, you, know, you, you, you saw that. And I, I, the, the version I saw was that he, the, the guy took a picture of the of what what he had pieced together and sent it you know to the masters and, and then they gave him his tickets but but you're saying he didn't even have to go that far right? Good point. I'm guessing he didn't. Uh, you're right. You're right. I, I did not mention the the picture part of it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm guessing based on my dealings that had he called the masters, uh, they would not have caused him made him. Uh, make the dog throw up. I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the, knowing how it all comes to you and everything, that they would have been able to, uh, you know, somehow send him a new set. Um, right. And some, on a list or something, right? Yeah, but that's my, ho- that, that's my yeah. whole point. Yeah. yeah. And you may remember you and I were golfing last summer when I was being, uh, when I got an email from the Masters about whether or not I had won uh, the lottery for regular rounds, not practice rounds, uh, which yes, did not work that. out, but you're, I'm sure you remember that morning how I do. intrigued I, do. I was. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, a, that, that, that's exciting to be, uh, to be in the running for something like that, you know? So, yeah, I do remember that. Absolutely. Well, it is, yeah, th- th- that was an interesting morning because I couldn't access it on the golf course, and, of course, I got the email as soon as I hit the first tee shot. So I went a number of hours wondering whether or not I had won master's tickets. Anyway... Um, it should be interesting. Tiger Woods tees off. I think he already has. He was at 142 tee off time. It's now 147 Eastern time. So, uh, here we go again. But once again, appointment viewing Sunday, back nine, starting around four o'clock. Just nothing like it. Uh, especially on like a nice Easter Sunday where hopefully everybody's relaxing and, uh, you know, <laughs> has time to sit in front of a TV. Um, but Barry, you know, uh, we're, we're doing a lot of sort of strange stories from, you know, Bobby Petrino to, to Greg Williams. Uh, but one of the strangest one of all is this Dwight Howard, Stan Van Gundy thing where, uh, I, I saw the video of it where Stan Van Gundy, coach of the Orlando Magic, basically tells the media front and center that 
Dwight, he knows for a fact Dwight Howard tried to get him fired. He heard it from upper management sources within the magic. And literally and shockingly, as, he, as he's wrapping it up, who comes strolling right up, puts his arm around him, but Dwight Howard himself, uh, acting like best buddies. And then when Van Gundy departed, Howard played dumb, shall we say, regarding these questions about having him fired. What did you think about that whole video? I thought it was bizarre is the right word, I'll tell you. I mean, you know, for for Stan Van Bunny to basically drop a bombshell like that on the media and then have Dwight Howard come out and, and you know, put his arm around the coach and embrace him, it was just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you even make of that? I mean, you know, what do you even make of, of Dwight Howard at this point anyway, right? I mean, here's a guy who, he's a great talent, great basketball player. There's no, no, there's no, no doubt about that. There's no denying his ability on the court, but off the court, you know, if you're in the Orlando Magic, you know, how, how can you move forward and invest, invest everything you have in this guy? I mean, one day he says he wants to stay, one day he says he wants to go, one day he says trade me, the next day he says I'll stay. Uh, you know, you never know what you're getting with this guy from day to day. So, you know, it, it, it's so it's so hard to make an investment in something like that. We just never know what's around the corner. Um, and they say that, and you know, and, and for for Howard to say, "Well, what are you talking about?" or whatever, it's just, it's just strange, you know. And, and Gundy will get fired, and you know, the players, the players, that right? But you know, I, I didn't. But to, to to have this sort of issue coming out. Uh, you know, with such little time left in the regular season, you got the playoffs right in front of you. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a heck of a time to, to, to have something like this this break, but it's just, it shouldn't be surprising, I guess, because the, 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 the whole Dwight Howard saga all season has been very strange, and this is just, just another chapter, just more of the same. So, you know, wh- which way is it going to go? I have no idea. I don't think anybody does. I don't even know if Dwight Howard knows those, you know, we're at, we're, we're, it depends what side of the bed he wakes up on each day, I suppose. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, again, I, if you're the Orlando Magic, you know, I don't even know where you, I don't even know where you go from here. You know, I don't even know how you even react to this. You know, it's just so strange. It's so crazy. Yes, well, it falls in the, uh, my favorite category of uh, you can't make this stuff up. The truth is stranger than fiction. And, yeah, you were, we all remember just a few weeks ago at the end of uh, this year's Dwight Howard saga, that, you know, the word came out that, you know, management, uh, somehow he was being given, you know, a say over who was going to coach and who was going to be the GM of the team. And when that story came out, everybody, you know, jumped up in arms that that was not true and it just sort of died down. Well, here we have it. It was true. No surprise. And, yeah, awkward to say the least. And, yes, I agree with you 100%. You cannot build your the future of your franchise around this guy, even though he's obviously your best player. But he is uh, he, he's a strange cat, clearly. And now they're, you know, at the time I thought they reached sort of a okay middle-of-the-road solution, just keeping him around for another year, despite the fact we might have to suffer through another year of his free agent uncertainty but after hearing this story and all that and seeing the awkwardness and uh my opinion has changed on him and and i i just think you know if i'm orlando i get i get rid of him because he, yeah, he's well, just not the, yeah he's not the guy you want 
No, but he could turn out to be the guy the New Jersey Nets want. And, uh, you know, that, yep. I think if you're, if you're the Nets, soon to be the Brooklyn Nets, moving into a new arena next season, uh, hoping to keep uh, Deron Williams. Um, if, if you're the Nets, you're, you're just kind of sitting, sitting back, just sort of watching with a smile on your face because, you know, now it just strengthens your situation. And let's face it, you know, if you're the Magic, you know, now, you know, say you decide, okay, well, we can't take this anymore. Dwight, right, we're going to trade you. Well, you know, you're, you're not going to get full value either because, you know, now the pressure is on you to try to make a move and you don't have. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, it's the ball is clearly, uh, in my mind, back with. Orlando Magic management, where they just need to, uh, you know, they need to simply take the bull by the horns here and, you, you know, play out this season. I mean, I don't think you can do anything now. The trading deadline's over anyway. And just, uh, yeah, just get it done. Uh, get, get this guy out of town because, again, you do not want him, in my mind, as the face of the franchise. And, uh, so, Barry, yeah, this magic situation, pretty crazy, I'd say. But, you know, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And the playoffs uh, within the NBA, you know, you got to keep Howard around for another couple weeks because uh, then the playoffs will begin. And, again, you can't, uh, can't rock the boat at this point. And speaking of playoffs, uh, the NHL. It's getting into full-time playoff mode um, with uh, next week being the end of the season in the NHL. Hard to believe how quickly it's gone. Uh, up here in Boston, uh, the Bruins have locked up the number two seed. It now appears they are uh, almost for sure going to play the Ottawa Senators. There was some question as to whether or not they would be playing the uh, Washington Capitals. New York Rangers finished with the top uh, top seed in the East, and uh, but what is shaping up as the top playoff series in the opening round is the potential of the Philadelphia Flyers and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, against the backdrop of last Sunday's wild video with the two coaches basically standing on top of the board screaming at each other. Wasn't that something, Barry? Yeah, that's gonna be, that's gonna be a fun one. You know, I you know, when you look at all the potential playoff matchups, that's that's a real intriguing one to me. I love that one. I mean, number one, you have the whole Sidney Crosby thing. You know, will he play? I mean, if he plays, obviously it enhances it dramatically. And uh, but that video was, <coughs> excuse me, that was incredible. So the obvious dislike, again, I'm from Pennsylvania, so I know the bad blood that exists between, uh, number one, the cities, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, number two, the Pacific franchises, uh, the Flyers and the Penguins. So that would be like watching, you know, a, a conference final, to say the least. And, Barry, we're down to our final minute. Any final thoughts on uh, the NHL playoffs starting next week? Yeah, well, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, a, a lot more drama uh, with the Penguins last night. You know, uh, with the with the Rangers uh, losing that game to Pittsburgh and uh, the John Tortorella calling uh, 
calling a hit by Brooks Orpik on needing to be hit on Craig Stephon, uh, Derek Stephon rather, uh, uh, a gutless cheap hit. Uh, so you know, now you have the, the, the Flyers and, and Penguins, you know, going nose to nose. You have the Rangers and Penguins, you know, drawing back and forth. So, you know, the Penguins are not, uh, not don't seem real, real high on, uh, on everybody's favorites this week when it comes to the opposition in the NHL. But, uh, I, I think, uh, Penguins, Flyers, first round. There's two, there are two teams don't like each other to begin with, but now you have all this added on after last Sunday. That's going to be a very interesting to watch. It's going to be a, that's going to be a nasty series. That was, uh, that's going to be one to watch. I think it's going to be great, Barry. Nothing like the NHL playoffs. It's the best theater in all of sports in my book. And uh, hard to believe, Barry. We've come to the end of another show. And once again, I want to thank you so much for calling in and uh, enlightening us and as always Voice America thank you for listening to All Around Sports and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1pm Eastern Time Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host John Inglesby Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10am Pacific Time, 1pm Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel Have a terrific weekend and we'll talk sports again next week Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.